Thanks for joining me for another Her Wild Outdoors podcast. Uh, today, Amanda Lynn Mayhew joins me for a conversation, um, and you're going to want to put your seatbelt on for this one. It is a great one, and it's going to leave you laughing and really enjoying it. So um, thanks for listening in. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Her Wild Outdoors. Um, today, we are talking with Amanda Lynn Mayhew of Canada, and um Man, we, I think we've been talking for 30 minutes before we even started this podcast and we're like, okay, let's press record. Uh, so Amanda, thank you so much <laughs> for joining me today. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was, it was definitely, a, um, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we started talking, as soon as we started talking, it was like we had been friends for 30 years. And I it love was, it. It was, yeah, it was actually really, really cool. I vented to you. Uh-huh. I vented to good. you. Like good. we've, we, I think we got, I think we got it all out and now we can have, you know, an even better conversation. <laughs> That's right. And you know what? The audience is going to be like, oh my God, I wonder what they vented about. Oh, well, mm-hmm. you'll mm-hmm. never know. You will never know. It's just between <laughs> us. <laughs> hey, I, what we didn't talk about was kind of how you have gotten into what you do now. And, um, and I think like just coming from where where I came from, knowing and talking to a whole lot of different women, um, everybody's story is a little bit different. And so I love hearing because it does give power and it does give um, a relatable background hearing where you started and how um, you started. So give us just a little background on you. A little bit of background on me. Well, what you see is what you get. And where I came from is exactly what you see. I born and raised in Northern Ontario, hunting and fishing because that's how we ate. It wasn't, um, I didn't just roll out of bed one day and put camo on and go, woohoo, this looks great. I'm going to go hunt. I did it because I needed to, to know our lifestyle and, and where we came from. My grandfather was a moose guide. and and a bear guide. My dad um, has always hunted and my mom was the angler in the family. And it was, was what we did on weekends with my sister. We went camping, we went fishing, we went hunting, we put meat in the freezer. And it's how I raised my children. I was a single mom. I didn't have, you know, um, uh, stable financials that were coming in. So the best way to feed my kids was to take them out in the bush and find their food and they learned to do it the same way I did. And yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's as real as it gets. It it is, but it, it shows kind of, um, we do hear a lot of, I hunt to eat, I hunt to fill my freezer, I hunt. And, and I think that that's overused. You know what I mean? I think that, um, people use, some people can use it as an excuse or a justification for hunting. Um, I think that that can actually take away from people who actually do that. Like, I think it does. I think you are absolutely hundred percent correct. Like I have, uh, I have a clothing line and on one of my shirts, it does say, uh, the, the logo just hunt and underneath it says I eat therefore I hunt uh-huh. but um, at the same time you get a lot of people who are, are like oh I kind of like that slogan I'm just going to use it mm-hmm. but do they really do they really do it or do they just really or are they just using that word because it's a marketing thing do right. you know what I mean right or it's it's an easy um, I mean let's be honest it's easy to easier to have a conversation with a non-hunter to explain you know, I hunt so that I can fill my freezer and feed my family. And that might be part of why you hunt, but really finding out the reason, well, I love to be in the outdoors. I love the part of like growing in my hunting skills, growing in this. I love the harvest. I love the whole process of it. Like you've got to find your reason and stick by it. Don't, I think that whether you do hunt to eat then hold on to that tightly. If you do hunt because you love it, then hold on to that. If you hunt because your kids want to hunt, then by golly, hold to that because that's a great reason. If if you're a single mom, I mean, I've talked to single moms who have never hunted in their entire lives and their kids want to learn how to hunt. 
Well, they go out and they learn how to hunt so that they can take their kids out there. That is admirable. And it's something that you should hold up, you know, as a, this is why I hunt. And I think that, you know, hold to your reasons of why you hunt. It's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I hunt for many reasons, but. It started out. Like your in your introduction to hunting as a kid was to feed your family. And then your introduction to your kids was to feed your family. And so I I love that. I love that that's kind of where you started. And it probably has evolved over time to include other reasons. And that's even better. That's true. And then carrying on with that, teaching other women how to hunt because yes. they want to feed their families with yes. my outreach programs that I designed because I had a lot of people, men and women saying, Hey, I want to do that. Can mm-hmm. you teach me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then following through, which is what is lacking right now. I think across the board, not just women, but men, I think it's the follow through. It's the, Hey, hunt, come hunt with me one day. And then there's no follow up after that, that I think that's where our community needs more. They need to put more into it's I talked to Cindy. um, I think that was the first podcast that came out was with Cindy Stikes. And she um, she said that her goal over the next couple of years is to mentor one or two people for the whole year. To start them with their hunting license, to then go fishing, small game, deer, and then close up the year, like, or waterfowl somewhere in between there. But that's taking a whole year to imprint on somebody and to encourage somebody. And I'm like, we need more people like that out there, right? Yeah, no, that's a really great idea. I wish I had the time to do that. I know, I wish I I did too. (laughs) I have, because I travel so much Mm -hmm. and the things that I have going on in my life and I do outreach programs all year round, Yeah, I take between, I would say I take between two and seven girls per event, which is held between three to seven days long on an actual hunt. Yes. I mean, I, I, uh, I feel that I do my part in mentoring. I love it. I so love it. I love, I love taking the girls out on a grouse hunt. They've never been out before. They just got their licenses. They're walking this trail with me. They see a little bit of a flutter. Oh my God, there's a bird. Bang. And then their face lights up like, Uh Oh my God, it's Christmas after they get that bird. That's my favorite part yeah. right there. You can almost see their hearts coming out of their bodies at the time, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're yeah. glowing. And, I did it. Yes. And it's just, it is, it is awesome. And for me, my children are all older now. So 28, 25 and 21. Mm-hmm. So they've already been there, done that. And I don't have that anymore. Right. So every, every new person I take out, whether it's a male or a a female or a young girl, young boy, whatever, doesn't matter who you take out that first time, that first, that first thing that you get to see them experience is just like watching your kids grow up all over again. Uh, We, we had that happen this year. My son was nine and he shot his first year and it was, it was that moment. Like I've, I set goals at the beginning of the year. Hey, this is what, this is how I want to grow. And this year was, Hey, the kids are going to get, they've been wanting to do this. They're of age now. They're like, we've been doing a whole lot of stuff prepping for this. And I said, I just hope that one of them gets to experience this. And I didn't even care. Like I got one deer this year. I'm excited that I got a deer this year and we've got it in the freezer. But I got to see my kid glow with pride and joy and go through the gamut of emotions after harvesting his first deer. I can't replace that. Um, except by mentoring somebody else like you, that joy of seeing somebody else. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it surpasses my own when it happens with me, but it did this year. Um, it was really exciting. It was, oh, that's awesome. It was really cool. Um, you'll laugh at this. They, 
we got over there and he goes, it was a doe, it was a doe. And we opened, like we, we moved some stuff around and everything. He goes, I shot my first buck. It's got a penis. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was a button buck and by golly, that, that, where Euro mounting it is going on the wall with my first deer. And like, it's just like there was pride, but there was also this moment of quiet that you saw in him taking it all in, thanking God for that opportunity, like just taking that moment and absorbing all of it in. It was, it was something special to see. That's amazing. My son my youngest son was 12 years old and we sat seven and a half hours in the tree stand and he pulled the trigger, which took him eight minutes to pull on a 350 pound black bear. Ooh. Yeah. And so he used the same rifle that my grandfather used that I used for my first big game. And he, yeah. And he was 12 and yeah. And yeah, he won't ever forget yep. it and you won't either. Um, no. And I love, I love that. I love that even though we don't have, I mean, I, there are going to be years that I don't have time to mentor somebody like Cindy would. Um, but I can encourage and talk about it. And hopefully there are more people out there that can do it. And maybe I can do it one year and, and take it all in. But being able to encourage others who do have that time, um, I guess it's just I, I'm just as responsible to do that as actually mentoring somebody for that um, for a small amount of time. It's uh, it's really cool to be a part of of situations like that and just to be able to see them. It's I love it. It's it's so cool. It's like we said, it's nothing. You can't replace that feeling for somebody else, seeing somebody else do that. And you get to do that a whole lot with with a lot of the things that you're involved in. Um, yeah. And I get the And one of the best things that I get to do is I get to capture the Take Me Hunting Outreach programs mm-hmm. digitally as a diary for these people that come out on the event. So their very first hunts are televised on my TV show. Yeah. And you know, and they, they get to, not only do they get to come out and, and learn everything from what does birch bark do to what kind of track is that to harvesting their bird and, and cleaning it, but they get to relive it mm-hmm. with, um, photos and videos and, and TV episodes. And then they get to share their experiences hands on like that with people in their network and their families and children. And yeah, it just goes in a big, huge circle. <laughs> it does. It does. And being able to go back, I mean, we hunters, we're storytellers, right? It's, um, yeah. it goes back to the beginning of time. We, that is how you pass on, um, what we do is by telling stories, um, there are fine details that you learn from hands-on learning, but the the stories are what inspire and encourage and and pass down the history of it. And so being able to do that, that was one of the reasons I recorded my kiddo telling his story of what happened because I want him to be able to look back and hear himself and hear the process of it. And I think that's why podcasting is so cool because it is another form of of telling that story and having it to hear and pass on to other people. And I'm, I think that that's something you can't replace. No, absolutely. And the um, any kind of recording, whether it's photos, videos, mm-hmm. or audio, those things will live forever. Yes. Even when you're gone, it's leaving some sort of a footprint or a legacy on the, on, on the future of our hunting heritage and everyone is doing their part by doing this. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you're Jim Shockey or, you know, you're Amy Hall, everyone is doing their part and sharing stories and inspiring others. And that's a big deal. It is. It's a huge responsibility too. I think it's, um, we, we have to hear all the time. I don't, well, I don't know if we hear it. I think that we should hear it, that the things that we put out there that aren't going to go away, um, that you have to be responsible for those. Um, you have to be, um, 
you know, if you're being transparent, which I think is the best way to be, then you should stand true to what you say and you should back it up with action and you should, um, not just be full of words, right? Our actions speak louder than words, but our words are very permanent in this day in life. So, um, I think that we have to be very careful and it, I am reminded constantly um, through social media and podcasting and all of that to to think about what I'm posting, what I'm writing, what I'm saying. Um, and if I do say it, then I better be able to back it up, right? And same with imagery. Yes. If you're going to do a post and you're going to take a photo in a certain way and everyone is has a time and a place to do these things, but... On my Instagram, I have nine, 10, 11 year old girls that follow me on their parents' Instagrams or their own little Instagrams that, mm-hmm. that they've asked their parents' permission for to follow me. So, yeah, there's a couple of bikini or fitness shots out there of me, but I'll tell you one thing that I learned a very, very long time ago I never take a photo I can't show my dad. Right. So, and it's, it's not just in body image, but it's in your facial expression, mm-hmm. it's in your appropriateness. Does that, does, does that make sense? 100%. Would, would you actually wear that while you're doing that? Would you stand like that while you're wearing that, while you're doing that? You know, you really have to be cautious and you really have to pay attention to who you are inspiring. And that is a, that's a big deal to me. I'm 45 years old and my passion, um, for the, the, the younger generation getting in is, is very, is very high. And I get very, um, reactive or emotional when it comes to talking about that. Yeah. And I've been the, um, the official ambassador of the Toronto sportsman show for six years. And the biggest part that I get out of that show are all the children that come and see me every year and they return to see me. So I have kids that have come to see me when they're six and now they're 12 you know, and, and I get to watch them grow and they're the ones looking up to me. So I'm not going to be standing in my booth as a Toronto sportsman show in a pair of hot pants and a bikini top. Right. Yeah, so right. things have to make sense. So it's not just what you say, it's how you look and what image you're going to portray to that younger generation. Yeah. And it, that can go for men and women. I mean, I've seen plenty of, of photos out there of male hunters who do not portray themselves in an ethical way. And so the responsibility goes on both both sexes of our hunting community to to show a respectful, um, honorable way of hunting because not only are the kids watching, but non-hunters are watching. And well, that too, and it and it doesn't just go for body image, but it no. goes for the things that you are. Yeah, how are you carrying your gun in the picture? Right, you know, like all kinds of different things. There You're was right. a, there was an article that my husband and I were sitting around last night, and he, you could tell something was wrong, and I was like, "What are you reading?" He said, "There's an article from this outdoors guy, and I'm I'm not. I probably couldn't even tell you who it was. I'd have to get all the specs on it. But there was an article put out." about what's going on right now in our day and age, um, about supporting your family by hunting and how it's easy. And I went, wait, what? (laughs) What are you saying? He said, yeah, it says that there are a couple things that you need to learn and then you can go out and hunt and it's easy. You just find where the animals are and you shoot them. And I went, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh, that's, and it was written by an outdoors guy. Like, I don't know if this person hunted or is in the hunting community. It doesn't really sound like it. Um, because you can't just go out and find where the animals are and shoot them. You have to obey seasons. You have to obey tag laws. You have to, like, there is so much more. And he just made it sound like, if you want to support your family right now with a meal, we'll go out and and just find where the animals are and shoot them. I mean, that is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, see right there, that's not hunting, that's killing. No, exactly. And there's a difference. There's a huge difference. And I think that um, Rit Longoria put out something one time, like what's the difference between um, animals that hunt and humans that hunt? And – 
pure and simple, I responded back, it's the ethics. Like truly, it is the ethics of why you hunt, how much you hunt, do you take more than you need, which I think that animals, when they hunt, they only take what they need. And well, yeah, they know when they're full. They know when they're full. And so, I, but there's a difference in just going out and killing and hunting. And people need to know that, that true hunters, we don't take more than we need at any point in time. And that, that could be what we need. We could be shooting. Um, we could be taking a harvest for somebody who also needs it. Like we have a huge community for um, Hunters for the Hungry, um, but we're not going to go out here in Tennessee. You can take three doe a day during hunting season for deer. Wow. We're not, I'm, I'm not going to shoot three doe a day. Like there's no way that a, I could find three doe a day and shoot them, but that would be a misuse of, of my hunting license that, that would be abusing that. And I'm not going to do that. Um, that's, that's, you know what? I love, I love hearing that we have, um, I don't know if you guys have this in the States, but in Canada, um, in, in my province, well, probably all the provinces, but if you are of indigenous, so uh, native background yeah. and I have that, um, then you have a harvester's card and a harvester's card allows you to harvest, you know, moose or, or certain animals at certain times of the year that may not be open season to hunters who gotcha. don't have that privilege. I have never used that privilege, but I have friends who have, and I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think if you're going to use that privilege and it's to do it for an ethical reason to feeding your family, then I think that's great. But I think that it gets used more so um, unethically than it does ethically. So it's kind of a double-edged sword right there. Yeah. 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 And I agree with you, even though I have the ability and the opportunity to use that um, option, I don't. Yeah. I I go and buy a tag like everyone else Mm -hmm. and I do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I think that's just better. I think. I, I think, well, and it depends if you don't have meat to eat for the year and this time comes up and you've missed all of the other chances, whether for one reason or another, then you would have that opportunity, which is a great thing to be able to fall back on. Um, True. But True. if you don't need it, then you don't need it. And to take advantage of it would be... I mean, it would be against what you stand for. So again, it goes back to what you preach. You have to act on that. You have to show uh, the backup of it. Um, but yeah, I think I was telling you earlier before we started recording, one of the main reasons that I wanted to chat with you uh was because you stand out as one of the hunters out there that that stands behind the things that you start. So you don't just start something and then let other people take over. You are, you like to be involved. You like to have hands on, um, like be there and teach and, and walk through it. And so I think that a, you don't over, you're really busy, but you don't overextend yourself in a way that you can't still be involved in everything that you've started. A hundred percent. If I'm going to come up with an idea, you damn right. I'm going to be there. Yeah. There's, there's only one thing that's going to hold me back and that's going to be a medical condition. Right. <laughs> and that in, in the last um, 10 years of mentoring and teaching range days and hunting and everything that I do, it's only happened once. And it's actually going to be part of the TV show this year. Um, I absolutely, I have, I have such a hard time trusting someone else with my ideas. Mm -hmm. So I need to be able to be there to see how it plays out to see like, I just, I want to be the person there and I want to be, I want to be a hundred percent a part of it because it's my idea. Yeah. Right. I don't want to just like make an idea and give it, give it away to somebody else. No. Um, but this, this one episode that we did, we did a take me hunting gross edition and I had a couple of back-to-back hunts this year. And I, I guess I, I, I did something to my, my, my muscle in my back and it was starting to make my left arm numb and my nerves were pinched and then this shooting pain and muscle spasms. And it all happened within like three days. And by the day 
this is, this is, oh, you're going to love this, Amy. <laughs> by, by the time Saturday came around, it was Saturday morning. It was time to get up. It was time to take six girls out on their grouse hunt. I could not move. Mm-hmm. I actually got up at three o'clock in the morning. I have a, I have an ambassador team, which is made up of girls who have participated in range days and outreach programs previously. So they've already known and have been on the field with me and they kind of know how I roll. They also know how to work a camera. So at three o'clock in the morning, I woke up one of my girls and I said, I have to go to the hospital. So we went to emergency. It was really bad. I, and, and, and I am, it, it's gotta be pretty much killing me in order for me to go to the hospital. Yeah. So Saturday morning, I'm in bed. I'm, I'm in tears. I'm in tears because I cannot move and I cannot take these girls out. Ray comes up and she's like, Amanda, I'll take them. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what to do. I know how to do this. I'll take the camera. I'll do everything. Ray was on take me hunting the year before the same area, the same kind of hunt. She took the girls to the sand pit. She made them all shoot around through their guns. They, she watched them pick their shell up off the ground. She watched, she watched how they put their guns away for safety. They went to the trails. They got off their machines. They started on the trails. Nobody had a loaded gun. They looked for the birds. She taught them about trees and tracks and, and all kinds of different things. All while filming, they got some birds. They brought them back. And they checked on me. And after six hours, they're, they're, they, they learned so much in six hours. Yeah. It broke my heart that I couldn't be there. But that's how you pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Ray learned from me. And Ray was able to teach those other girls what I taught her. How incredible is that? It's how huge. That? Well, it also shows that what you're teaching and when you teach it and how you teach it, it um, it's not just fleeting. It's not just something that goes in one ear and out another because it's applicable year after year after year. Um, and so she didn't need a refresher course. She didn't need like to go over certain things like she knew. And if if she did have questions, she knew that she could ask at any point in time, but she knew herself how to do things. Um, and so that shows the level of teaching is being consistent with what your expectations are. And, and that's, I mean, I don't think, man, we, we've gone in some States here in the U S they've gone to online carry classes. And so to get your concealed carry license, which some States, you don't have to have that anymore. I think Tennessee just, past it that you don't have to, but to, to get it, you only have to do an online course. Now, when I got my concealed carry, uh, license, I had to go to a class and do an online thing. And I will tell you the, the amount of information that I learned from that class in the classroom compared to the amount of information I learned by having somebody behind me as I shot a pistol, uncomparable, uncomparable, because I could have learned everything online by reading, 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 reading. And there's only so much that you can learn there. Getting your hands on something, an instructor can look at you and say, hey, if you continue to hold this this way, it's going to be dangerous or you're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt somebody else or you're not going to have a straight shot. If you don't have that, you're, you're going to be out there. I, that's just, that's maybe a soapbox that I have that I stand on, but it goes back to hunting classes, to anything, having somebody there hands on to move you in a way that things are going to work better, that, that you're not going to be dangerous, that there, you can't compare it to anything online. You truly can't. No, you, you are so right. They, they did an article, CBC, which is a, a Canadian news news uh, channel in, in Canada, obviously it's Canadian. Uh, <laughs> they did an article, they did an article on me two years ago and they said, um, Northern Ontario woman, you know, doing a, doing a hunting course, no, no classroom or books intended. And you, you go and you take the hunting course and the firearms course in Ontario and you're in a classroom for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
And when it comes, they do have practical tests, which, which is fine. But you know what, when people are done those hunting courses and they don't have anybody in their family or any friends that, that don't hunt, how the friggin' hell do you start? Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the question that I get the most from, from males and females is like, Hey man, I, I got, I got my stuff. Now um, what? <laughs> what the hell do I do now? Yeah. You know, where do I go? Where do I, what do I wear? What, you know, and that's what I like to teach people. Mm-hmm. And everyone has, and you're not just teaching people, this is my way. This is how you have to do it. You're just teaching them what you know. And I didn't know that I had the information that I did mm-hmm. until I went out there and I did it the first time. So I don't know as much as whoever, and I may know different things than someone else's whoever, but I know what I know and mm-hmm. I can teach what I know. Yeah. And then they can, they have, they have the basics and they can learn from there. They can go, you know, they can expand. They can go with different people. I'm not saying I'm the only choice. There's so many different people out there that do do what I do. Um, I'm, I'm sure like Ontario Federations of Anglers and Hunters has a wow weekend for women where mm-hmm. they teach women chainsaw archery. You know, there's lots of groups out there that do it. Yeah. I love what I do and I know that I can, I know that the people that are with me can benefit from my knowledge and I'm proud to be able to, to share that with them. Yeah. Now you, so you've got going into every place that you have a hand on, you've got women's hunting association, just hunt, take me hunting range days, and you've got a new series coming out. You want to tell me about that? So I was doing all the range days and take me outreach programs before television. Right. And, um, we were talking, which I'm going to interrupt you, which, which shows that you weren't. Okay. So we get into people who you, you question their reasons for doing things when they're on TV. I mean, that's just, that's automatic. Are they doing it for attention? Are they doing it for blah? But if you're doing like, People listen, she was doing this before, like she's been doing this longer than, so I just, I wanted to point that out really quick. You can continue. (laughs) Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. So I've, I mean, I was working in a gun store back in 2010, you know, for a couple of years and I was the only girl on the counter at the time and girls were paying attention and they wanted to ask questions and it was less intimidating for them. Um, I've been on the Cabela's ambassador uh, team in Canada. You know, I've done all those things because I was a hunter and that's what I did. And people paid attention to that. And so doing the outreach programs and range days before TV even came around, which is why Women's Hunting Association even exists. Um, Just Hunt is my brand. It's been my brand for over 20 years. It's just something that I've kind of attached to my name and something that I always just really said, like, I'm just going hunting. And, you know, my friends would be like, all you ever do is just hunt, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) I turned it into a a pretty simple brand. And um, Wild TV approached me um, in 2016 with the idea of doing a show. And they said, all you have to do is be yourself and just hunt. So you are who you are. You do what you do. We're going to send a cameraman. And things are going to be awesome. All right, let's try this. We did it. It turned out really good. People, uh, the audience really liked the feedback from what they were getting, saying that it was something different than any other show they've seen before. The episodes were a story and not just a how-to. Right. Um, I I don't ever say that I'm better than anyone else. I'm not a pro anything. I am a Northern Ontario girl that was raised hunting and fishing, and I still love to do it, and I'm good at what I do. I have extensive knowledge when it comes to firearms and hunting. Um, I am a hunter that loves to fish, not a not a fisherman that loves to hunt. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so to be able to showcase my outreach programs and part of – and my hunting and fishing adventures on national network television is – phenomenal and it's totally something that I never thought would ever happen in a million years I grew up watching Thomas Pigeot on Canada in the rough and you know he he would it's just amazing what he what he got to do and and now I get to do that Mm -hmm. and but I get to do it in a different way so now this season we are on a new network sportsman channel Canada 
And uh, we have a new show title. And the show title is That Hunting Girl with Amanda Lynn Mayhew. And we changed the title of the show because we're on a new network and we just wanted everything to be fresh. But yeah. it is still the same show. And I'm still the same host. And the reason we came up with that title is kind of a funny one. Um, over the past year, when I go into a big store or a grocery store or whatnot, people will recognize me, you mm-hmm. know, I, yeah. I, have, I have recognizable hair, I guess. And <laughs> they'll recognize me, but they may not know my name. So they'll point and they'll be like, oh my God, there's that hunting girl. It's that hunting girl. <laughs> and I hear it so much. And I was like, you know what? That's a t-shirt. I'm going to do a t-shirt. So we did the t-shirt and a couple months into it, it just, I don't know, it just started, it started becoming kind of its own little brand. So then bought the business license for it. And when we're talking about putting the new show on the new station, we're like, what do you think? You know, could it be that hunting girl with the mandolin Mayhew powered by just hunt? Yeah. Well, yes, it can. Yes, it can. Yeah, so that's what we did. That's pretty cool. I love that. Uh, I I love that it comes from personal experience. I mean, I have been in that. You know, walking through the store in full camo, and you hear it from behind. Oh, she hunts, or <laughs> that. Yeah, the, and it, there's a there's a good feeling behind that because. Um, you know, I'm I'm not recognizable. I'm not somebody that people would you know, see outside of camo and be like, that person is so-and-so. But if I'm wearing camo um, or if I'm getting out of my car and I have a deer on the back of it or like, they're like, oh, she hunts. Um, And it's a good feeling to be recognized for something that you do when you love that something that you do. Uh, Hell yeah. And you're proud. You're proud to be a hunter. It's true. It's very true. So I, I'm, I love that story behind that. It, it has good feelings behind it and I can see how it just became something that, uh, felt comfortable. Um, because it's reality, right? It's transparency. It's that's that is who you are, that hunting girl. Yeah, and and you're and you're that hunting girl, or you hunt. You're proud to be a hunter. You don't care if somebody knows your name. I yeah. don't care if you don't know my name. Right. <laughs> right. And and that's what and that's what the difference is between somebody who has the passion and the want and the heart, and somebody who. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, it also goes back to being relatable because having the name That Hunting Girl can apply to any woman out there who hunts. And exactly. so it it doesn't just pertain to you yourself. You are covering every woman who will ever be a part of your community up there and more, whoever watches and that, it. And that title, That Hunting Girl... I mean, what you just said is 100% right. That hunting girl is you're wearing that shirt and you're proud to be that hunter and you're not, um, you're, you know, you're a hunter. You're a hunter right? and you're, and you're proud. That's right. awesome. Yeah. I'm and not even going to go. Are- I'm not even going to go <laughs> into where that could go right now. I think everybody could. <laughs> there's a difference. And I'm not downing. Yeah. There are some great women out there. Very few, but great women who do utilize a different word. But I, I, I have never called myself anything more than a hunter, and um, and I'm pretty proud of that. That might be something that I will, I will throw myself on a sword for. Don't just treat me. I do the same thing in a different way sometimes. But my end result and my beginning result, like everything, the whole process of it, we are all working toward one goal. So we are hunters. Um, we are hunters. I, you know what? I've never even heard the other word until a couple of years ago. Yeah. I don't even want to say, maybe a couple of years ago. I think there was one magazine that did a spread mm-hmm. on my story a couple of years ago. And they might've put that through that word in there. And I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. I'll let it slide. But then it was like, other people would do articles and, and podcasts and whatnot. And before we got started, they would use that word. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm really sorry, but I'm just not comfortable with that. Like mm-hmm. I, I am and always have been a hunter and it doesn't matter if I'm a girl or a boy, 
And I just, I, I am not comfortable. If other people want to use it by all means. Yeah. Kudos to them. Yeah. It's not who I am. Yeah. So. I, it, it saddens me that there's a negative connotation to it. Um, yes. Because like these women that do use it, that use it well, I think that um, there could be power behind it. And I'm, I'm saddened that, uh, that it does have such a negative, um, well, in my mind, a negative connotation to it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just want to hunt. That's all I want to do. So I'm a hunter. Oh, just hunt? I just I just hunt. Um, you know, I had and, go ahead. And and we were talking, mm-hmm. maybe you and I uh-huh. in the next 12 months will be just hunting together. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, we'd yeah. be laughing. We would. Oh my God. That would be Amy has not been on a bear hunt. I have and Amy not. has not been to Canada. I have not. And so we're hoping that we can do something a little bit better as a follow-up to this amazing podcast that yep. I hope you're all listening to <laughs> and televise an incredible hunting show with Amy bear hunting in Canada. Who wants to see that? Me. My hand is up. My hand is up. I do. <laughs> I think next time we do this, Amy, we should video it. I, it would, it would definitely, um, it would definitely add a different angle to it for sure. (laughs) You would see so much more personality. Um, I think so. I think think it would be a good idea. I did a podcast with, uh, with somebody with a, with a gun company a couple months ago and did you watch it? I did. I did. You sent it to me and I, and I did. It's. There's so there's there are a couple of reasons why I keep my podcast verbal only. And I think that it has to do with a lot of women aren't comfortable with being on camera. Um, I'm a photographer, so I definitely feel more comfortable behind a lens instead of in front of it. Um, I don't mind being in front of it every now and then, but I would choose to be behind it. But it also can add a distraction when you aren't sitting face to face in front of somebody. Um, and so if it, I'm all for having a conversation like in the same room, face to face video, that sucker. Like I want to interact with somebody. Um, but when it's over a phone call or over zoom or whatever that conversation is, I have, I have really enjoyed, um, gaining friends through a verbal conversation at first. I think that there's a lot more freedom that comes from it when being a woman, you aren't distracted by how you look in that moment. Um, So face-to-face, video the crap out of it. Like face-to-face, let's do it. Let's put it on. So we're just going to have to meet up and do the next podcast if we're going to video it. I'm game with that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we've already discovered how far we are from each other. So we could probably figure something out. (laughs) I'm in Nashville. I've never been in Nashville. And I I, I can do that. Yes, you can. can. Yes, you can. We will take you out on the town. You can get into some country music you can like we'll take you to all of the local places not the hyped up commercial places we'll take you where the local people go um and we'll get you some good country cooking down here um i don't know i've talked to some canadian i've got canadian family and there are a couple of different ways that we cook differently, but for the most part, I feel like Canadian cooking and Southern cooking are very similar in the fact that it's um, it's important. It's a way that family gets around the table. Um, it's where conversations happen in the kitchen. Um, and I think that it it's to feed the soul. And so I think there's some definite correlations with southern cooking and canadian cooking from 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 the people that i've talked to i think so i mean i've been i travel a lot nashville is probably one of the only places i haven't been Uh um louisiana has got some very interesting cooking yes they do (laughs) there's louisiana is a mixture of french and and southern like 
Louisiana is 100% different than anywhere else in the world. No kidding. <laughs> um, Amy. Yes. I'm. Do you know how close you are to me? You are 11 hours from my house. And when I go hunting in Northern Ontario, where I was born and raised, it takes me 13 hours to get there. What? I'm closer yeah, so to you than where you hunt. <laughs> Dude. You totally are. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm to- I'm gonna I'm gonna take a screenshot after and I'll send it to you so you can see. If you <laughs> you might think that you're far away because you're in Nashville, Tennessee. But it's not that I'm far. Yeah. Southern Ontario, Canada, but really as the crow flies, you're like half a day away from me, which is nothing. No, it's not. And you've always got a place here to stay. Don't ever feel like you have to have a hotel. Um I will cook for you. And I love right, cooking. You um, may never get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> come visit. Come visit. Hey, tell me, tell me a little bit about this because um, you won an award this year, and it kind of goes back to. Um, and I want to get into this because I don't want to miss out on talking about it um, because of how much you put into the women that are involved in the things that you do and you have ambassadors, this, this award is actually an honorable, like it probably meant a whole heap of a lot to you um, because you won the 2019 golden bullet award for hunting ambassador of the year. Um, How cool. That's pretty cool. How cool is that? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, okay. So TACCOM, was the um it's the canadian gun show it's kind of like shot show of canada yeah and uh it was their second year in 2019 of doing this and they went all out they had a really good good turnout for vendors and manufacturers from across north america and overseas and in in this event they actually put together an award celebration night where they awarded 13 different golden bullet awards to 13 different genres and in the hunting genre, it was, it was, it was me. And it was, it was so crazy. It it was, you know, when you watch the Grammys Uh and they're coming out and they're, well, there's these two big screens on the wall and they're, and they're showing and the 2019 hunting ambassador of the year goes to, and I'm like, huge Amanda Lynn Mayhew. And I was sitting at the table with all my ambassadors. My son's on my left. My sister's on my right. My sister is crying like no tomorrow yeah and I couldn't even look at her and stop crying Miranda you gotta stop crying and then it goes into this video about why I was chosen to be hunting ambassador of the year and showing me at range day and then here I am wearing a short little sequin dress with a pair of black shorts underneath and I gotta walk up onto the stage good job Amanda so walk up on stage and you know, like you shits, I can't believe you did this to me. Thank you. But you know, like, it's just, there's so much going through your mind and you're not really thinking straight and you're looking out into a crowd of 437 of the most important people in the firearms industry across the world. Yeah. And you know, you're trying to say thank you and trying to explain what it means to you. And I had my hand over my eyes. Like I was looking at, looking out into the distance because the, the lights were bright and I was you know, I, I watched the video after and I'm like, oh my God, do I need to practice a thank you speech or what? <laughs> no, <laughs> you like, don't. No, you keep it you as can... real as possible. Oh, that's exactly. And my dad is laughing when we called him and he's crying and he's so proud. And, you know, I'm a little redneck girl up there in a nice dress, but I'm still acting like myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it was so incredible to be, um, to be recognized for the work that I do, because I do know the work that I do do is, is valuable mm-hmm. and important and means more to the person on the, on the receiving end than it does on my end of giving it. So, and they can continue that heritage by teaching others. So it's just, it was an incredible recognition for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. There is, there's a mixture of like when I was reading over that and, and looking into it and all of that, I, there's probably a mixture of feelings of heck yeah, that's awesome to, to a feeling of it's the work is recognized. Like the, it, it's yes, you got attention in that you got 
um, your name got the award, but it was your actions and it was how much you have put into this. It's how much these women have received out of this, how much um, the community has received out of this. That also got that recognition. And sometimes that means more than even our names and lights is that um, these other women, these these functions that you're putting on, the teaching, the mentorship, the ambassadors that are coming up underneath you, like that recognition goes into that award even more so than just your name. And and it's so exciting. You're you you're very right. And you know what else goes into that? The brands that you work with. Yes. The people that support yes. what, what you do, the, the people that support your dreams, the, you know, like the sponsors that were involved mm-hmm. that I worked with, like that's a big deal too. Yeah. I, I don't use the equipment if I, if I don't believe in it. Right. And using that equipment is what I introduce to women who don't have it yet. Yeah. Yep. I think um, that one of the, we were, I was talking with um, somebody the other night and we were talking about what it's like to be a new hunter. And we've kind of touched on this, but it can be one of the more intimidating things to get started in, um, especially as an adult who doesn't have somebody directly around them to show them how to. Um, I mean, you you say, hey, I think I want to get involved in hunting. And you walk into a Cabela's or any other hunting store and you walk in and you go, holy crap, where do I start? Because there's so much overwhelming you at that moment. Um, You can reach out on social media and you can see 15 different people using 15 different brands. And I think one of the best, um, one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever heard somebody give was you have to be hands-on with equipment. Um, You can't, I mean, you can, you can try to take the advice of people, but until you get hands-on, you're not going to know if it's going to work for you, especially bows um, and pistols. And I mean, if you are going for something that is going to A, um, have the result of harvesting an animal, which could also be dangerous to other people, it doesn't matter if that bow is used by the top people in the market or by Joe Schmo down the street who paid $150 for it. It what works for you works for you and you become comfortable with it, which makes you enjoy it more, which makes you use it more, which makes you use it well more. And so it it's, you can't just go out and walk into Cabela's and say, okay, I want this, 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 and this, I'm ready to go hunting. Like that's not how it works, right? <laughs> no, you're, no. you're not a hunter because you bought all the equipment. You're a hunter no, because you, you find what works you you practice with that. You work hard on it to make sure that you can take a shot and take it ethically and and take down an animal in the least horrible way possible, right? Um, we're not out to watch something suffer. And uh, that's our responsibility as hunters. So I it the best piece of advice was get hands-on with your equipment and figure out what works for you. If you've got to send it back, send it back. Well, and that's why I developed range days because at range days, you can try maybe not a whole bunch of different brands, mm-hmm. but you could at least try 20 gauge versus 12 gauge yes. versus pump versus semi versus bolt versus, you know, like you can have, you can get out there on the rifle range and try and see what it's like for a 22 and then a mm-hmm. 243 and a 270 and a 30 out of 60. You can try all the different, different kinds. Things. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So we try to, we try to make sure that we have as many options as possible. We've even had um, range days with black powder. Um, oh, fun. So, yeah. So we try, like last year we had a distributor as a sponsor. So he brought out uh, probably 15, 20 different shotguns and they ran the shotgun stations. So the, there was a gun for every single person that, you know, didn't matter what your stature was or what your, you know, what you like to shoot 
and, and how it fits you. We mm-hmm. had something that fit everybody. And that is so solidly important. I've been doing range days for 11 years or 10 years. And, uh, probably the most important event that I have and the most in demand event that I have and the most of the event that people get the most out of that gets them started. So even if they don't want to hunt and they still want to know how that shotgun in the, in the gun safe that their husband owns, they want to know how that thing works. Yeah. They come to range day. If they, I have nine year old girls all the way up to 85 year old women that come to my range day and it's only women. And I only take 30 girls per range day. Cause I want to remember what your name is right. and I want to follow up with you And Amy in the last 10 years, every single year, every girl that's ever come to range day gets an email from me and says, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Yep. At least once a year. Yep. Hey, I was one of those girls just a couple of years ago. We've got shotgun in the safe, like home defense. I was scared to death of it. And I'm not, I mean, I I know how to shoot a pistol. I know how to shoot a rifle, but I did not know what it would feel like to shoot a shotgun. And um, I want to say last year was the first year that we took the shotgun out and then hunting waterfowl this year was the first time I actually used it more than like shooting skeet and all of that. That was this year, the first time I've done that. And so it was repetitive and anything that you're shooting repetitive, you're getting more comfortable with. And, um, and safety wise for myself and my family, getting out there more also makes you a safer person because you're not fearful of that firearm and we shouldn't be fearful of the firearms. They themselves cannot hurt anything without somebody behind them. So um, I, it, it felt, I feel a hundred percent more comfortable picking that shotgun up than I ever have before. And it's just use. It's 100% use over and over and over. Um, and I actually, I, I love it. I didn't think that I would ever say that, um, because I love rifle shooting. I love target shooting. Um, but I actually like using the shotgun now. Yay. Yeah. Did you know that when I was a little girl, I used to watch movies with my dad that my mom didn't want to watch with him. So I got to watch like Rambo and Norris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> super awesome movies and um when when i was younger i wanted to be rambo i wanted to be rambo who doesn't want to be rambo (laughs) i I don't want to go around killing people but i mean like no but you want to be a badass right (laughs) (laughs) yes but lucky enough I, i i got okay this is something in a million years that i never thought would ever happen ever 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 i am i can call chuck norris my friend. Yeah. I grew up watching that man on TV when I had, do you remember MySpace? Yes, I do. Okay. So on my MySpace account where it like says to put your idols, I had my dad and Chuck Norris. Um, <laughs> the top two. <laughs> those were my top two. In 1998, which was before MySpace, I right? think. Yes. Yes, it so was. I was. I was diagnosed with Graves disease. Now here's something else. I struggle every single day with a shitty autoimmune deficiency that kicks my ass every day. But do you ever hear me complain about it Mm -mm. or say negative stuff? If you follow me on social media, you would never know in a million years. That's what I have. So in 1998, I was diagnosed with this after three years of complete, utter medical hell. Yes. And I was watching an infomercial and I, and I saw Chuck Norris using this, this machine. And I'm like, Oh my God, I could totally use that thing. So ran over to Walmart the next day, bought this machine, brought it back to the house. My youngest baby of three was, um, uh, not in school at the time. He was like one or two years old. So I would, I would put him either to sleep or when he was awake, he would be on the machine with me. And I would use this machine four or five, six hours a day, just watching TV and playing video games. And holy cow, did it ever change my life? It changed my, my body. It changed my attitude. It all, it just changed my whole life. And so I'm like, Oh my God, this is really crazy. I can't believe this all from watching Chuck Norris on an infomercial. <laughs> so fast forward a couple of years down the road. And because I became 
a better person physically and well and mentally, I created a, a magazine called Fitness Fanatic and it was ad free. And the reason I did it was because I would start going to the gym and pick up a magazine to read on the cardio machine and go through 15,000 pages of ads before I could find a real article. It's so annoying. It's so, so annoying. annoying. So I was like, screw, screw this. I'm going to make a magazine myself. That's, that's how I think, right? I'm, I'm really kind of crazy that way. So I did it and I did it for about um, eight years. And one of the people that this is, I'm getting to the Chuck Norris part. So I was, I was not really looking for a sponsor, so to speak, but I wanted to tell the owners of Total Gem about what happened, right. like how, what happened to me. So I called and I got Joy. Joy is the inventor's name is Tom and Joy is his wife. And she answered the phone. She's not supposed to answer the phone. But, but she, she did that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's like, hi, you know, how can I help you? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I, I, I didn't know who she was. And I didn't really know what to say. And I don't even know why I called that day. But I said, hi, you know, my name is Amanda Lynn Mayhew and I'm from Ontario, Canada. And I want to tell you my story. Okay, well, let's hear it. So I told her and she's like, so what are you looking for? Like, what do you want from us? And I said, well, shit, I don't even know. I said, you know what? I want to do an infomercial with Chuck Norris. And she laughed. She's like, like, you have the biggest set of balls I have ever heard on any girl. And I'm like, well, really, what are you going to say? You're going to say no or you're going to say yes. Yeah. So um, anyways, conversation ended and a couple of weeks later she had called or emailed me and asked if I was interested in going to Kickstart Kids, which is uh, Gina and Chuck Norris's fundraising event that they have in Houston, Texas to raise money for martial arts for children. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you don't say no to that. You don't say no to that. No. No. So I, I went... And um, I, I've been going every year since then, except for this year. And um, I, I, I've met Chuck and Gina. I've talked to them. Um, we've had a tennis breakfast at ten, tennis events together. And they're, they're normal people. And yeah. they, they do a lot for the community and the world and, and the children. And, and it's just amazing that where I came from and, and who I am, it, um, I, I can say that I'm a friend of Chuck and Gina's mm-hmm. and never in a million years would I ever think that I could ever say that. I think that goes back to what we kind of started with and, and I'm, it kind of brings it full circle. You can easily tell the people who are real and transparent um, from the people who aren't. And Knowing where you've come from and knowing you put it all out there and you are who you say you are, um, you're not going to have mentors and people that you look up to who aren't that way. And so it speaks volumes about yourself, but it also it speaks volumes about people that you follow, that you stand behind, that you um, talk great about. Because let's be honest, we're not going to talk great about or yeah talk great about people who aren't that way um and so it it reminds all of us that you are who you associate yourself with and um and you have to be careful of that and you have to be aware of it and um and you have to make sure that people who are following you who are looking up to you that you are being that same person to them um and that it goes back to mentorship it goes back to being an ambassador it goes back to it goes back to all of that being a hunter um and i think that that again i'm truly truly glad that we've had this conversation because it reinforces what i initially believed about you and um Aww. And it, it, you can tell, and I don't know if it's age. I mean, we're both right there Um, and experience and um, having that. I don't really give a whatever about what people say, Um, but it, I think we have clearer eyes now, or I do, than I did 
back in the day. And um, it is, it's easier to, f- to figure out who's real and who isn't, um, especially in the social media world. And so I appreciate, A, I appreciate your time today. Um, I think we've been hanging out now for two hours. Um, <laughs> only one of which has been recorded. Um, and uh, I appreciate, A, the time that you've given me. And I appreciate your honesty and um, and your willingness to teach um, and to be involved in our community because it, it's it's hard to be hands on, especially when you have a busy schedule. But um, but yeah, I truly appreciate it, and I thank you. Oh my God, I'm so glad that you reached out, and I I'm, I'm very I I am, and I am very I am very proud of how you are doing what you're doing. And I think you're bringing a, a, a refreshing and real, I don't know, coverage to, to the industry. And I, and I, if you ever need me for anything, you know that you can get a hold of me for sure. hundred percent. And, and we're, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, yeah, we're going to hunt and we're going to keep in touch and I'm going to send you the map so you can see that you're closer to me than my hometown. Do it. I go hunting. Yes. <laughs> And uh, if you need anything, Amy, you definitely let me know. And vice versa. I'm, I've got your back. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. You heard where you can follow her. There are a ton of different ways. And um, Amanda, thank you.